Right, we've got probably about 20 hours of um, preaching here, and we've got less than 20 minutes. So um, if I go down a bolt hole, just wave at me, and uh, thank you. And we'll see if we can... Um... Ah, it works. Well done, John. Okay, so... Verses 24 to 29. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. See, we've, those of you that have been in Sunday school from a very early age, I, Martin sang a song last week, didn't he? So um, I, for those of you that were in Sunday school, um, was it the wise man built his house upon the rock? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came a-tumbling down. See, I remember that one as well. And we could go on to the foolish man or whatever else. Well, there's the other one. Don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build it too near the shore. Well, it might look kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice and you'll have to build your house once more. So anyway. If Martin's allowed to sing from the front, then so am I. Then so am I. Every Sunday. It'll be something from the 60s, won't it, if it's Brian? That probably was written in the 60s. Anyway, Jesus' authority. I thought, let's start from the, the, the very final bit of um, that chapter. See, the people had never heard teaching like that before. Never, ever. The scribes were well-versed in Scripture. It says, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. The scribes were well-versed in Scripture. They could teach. They knew the Old Testament um, back to front, upside down, inside out. They knew every aspect of it. See, when who did Herod call when he wanted to know where the Messiah was to be born? Herod called the scribes. You read it, Brian. He called the, he called the chief Pharisees and, and, sorry, the, um, the chief rabbi and the scribes. So these were people that were well versed in the scripture, absolutely knew the scripture, but Jesus came with a different authority. Jesus came because he was the one who had written. It was in his heart. It wasn't just about head knowledge. He was explaining scripture or teaching principles from heaven. You see, this parable is um, 
very famous in, in the sense of it just uh, um, typically, it gives the, the sort of two-way version of Scripture. We find it many times in Scripture. There's this famous one that I've just flicked to here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, verses 15 to 20. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give them. See, this parable that Jesus taught, uh, uh, taught um, it gives the, the, the wise or the foolish, choose life or choose death. See, Jesus was about, he wasn't an easy character in some ways to, to, to walk with because he, he didn't mince his words. He didn't, he didn't um, uh, uh, um, give people an easy way out. It was either you're wise or you're a fool. Either you choose life or you choose death. That same choice is for us today. You see, the, the, the word that um, just, every, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine. It's interesting that that's used as a Hebrew idiom. Um, an interesting word that is um, um, made famous in Deuteronomy um, chapter um, 6 and verse 4. And you'll all know it. Um, Shema Yisrael, and apologies for my pronunciation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So Jesus was using that word. The word is um, Shema, Hebrew word, that means both to hear and to obey. There was no difference in their thinking. So when Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine, Immediately, when he used that word Shema, immediately people were understanding that it wasn't just about hearing, it was about doing. So what was he referring to in this parable? This, this parable comes at the end of, and I feel, oh, let's just finish off this, um, this word, because actually there's a couple of other um, um, Meanings, or sorry, a couple of other areas in in Scripture in the Old Testament where it, it, I think it explains the meaning of the word, and this is in um, Genesis three seventeen, and he's, and this is when God's speaking to Adam and Eve at the uh, at, um, after they'd sinned, and it says, and Adam and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So that that word shema means it, it listened. Act, it means actively listened, doing something about it. And because it, God said to him, because you didn't just hear what the enemy said, you actively listened. You actively listened and did something about it. 
And then in Exodus, um, when he, after the um, commandments had been given, he says, then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. Again, that same word, Shema. Listened, obedient. It doesn't just, so the, the, you've got the first one here, listening and obedient. All come from the same word, all mean the same thing. So you can see that when Jesus was speaking, and um, it's a fantastic, I, I feel so inadequate to speak about um, um, Matthew 5, 6 and 7, because it's the, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' great discourse that, that he, he spoke out to the people, the first recorded in, in Matthew of, of him um, speaking to the people. There's so much in here this morning that um, um, we could unpack. As I say, there's 20 hours, not 20 minutes. Um, but roast beef in the oven is, is waiting, I'm sure. So let's pick a couple of points. I've already picked up on one um, this morning, and that was in terms of um, the prayer piece. Um, and in that is in um, chapter chapter 6. And if we just go to chapter 6 and verse 5, and it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And I read out the bit this morning, just, just reading it out again. I won't read all of it, but it says most, most Hebrew words for praying are emotional expressions of everyday experiences. Crying, pleading, agonizing, growling, shouting, singing, clapping, uttering inarticulate sounds, falling prostrate, jumping up and down, Dancing and many more all describe Hebrew prayer. Now that you know that, what are you going to do about it? I often hear Brian say, you know, you just you can't you can't get the words out in terms of you know you'll be in prayer meetings and and just you, the words cannot describe what what the groanings and the utterings inside mean, but yet God is doing something. When you're walking about and you're just, just, just seeing God's amazing creation and just appreciating what, what is there and who God is and what he's done, that's prayer to God. That's honouring him. It's not, it's not just about um, on your knees in your locked room with, with your eyes closed and, and you know the traditional view in terms of prayer. Prayer is so much more than that. So much more than that. Next one I wanted to pick up was, um, sorry, just going back. And in chapter 5 and verse 17, and it says, um, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus again is, is we often think, or, or I often think, 
and we're told in terms of the media, aren't we, that the 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 Old Testament and the the laws of God are ancient. They're no longer relevant for today. They're no longer um, part of today's culture. They challenge the culture of today. They challenge the meaning of today. But what did Jesus say? He said he's come to fulfill the law. And he, law, he doesn't mean um, the laws of the land. It doesn't mean, um, uh, you, you know, in that, those days they were sat in a Roman culture. And it doesn't mean, he didn't mean that he was coming to fulfill um, the, the, the laws of the land of that, of that day and age. And that for we're to fulfill the laws of the land of our day and age. What he meant was the, the Torah, the first five books of um, the Old Testament. Um, and it says, it says in, um, uh, got a, oh, here we go. So, apologies, I'm, I'm going away from my slides. I knew I'd go. These are just all the different sections of the Sermon on the Mount. And you can read those later when John puts them up on the um, um, PowerPoint on the thing. But in, um, in Jeremiah 31... Jesus refers to, we, we talk about the new covenant, but what does, what does Jesus say about the new covenant? What he'd have known, what he'd have known about the new covenant, or what people would have known and understood about the new covenant, was in Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. What does that say to you? Isn't that what Jesus fulfilled? Isn't that what Jesus is fulfilling? That's what the new covenant is, isn't it? Jesus said he's going to come and fulfill all of it. And not one bit of it is going to be missed. Not one bit of it is going to go. Not one bit of it is going to be lost until it is all accomplished, until it is all finished. See, even today, Jesus, until he comes again, he's, com he's completing that which he started, the work that he started in terms of that. So, wise or fool? See, I wouldn't be able to do a, um, for those of you that, that know me, I wouldn't be able to do a, uh, um, a, a, a spe speech or um, preach on Sunday morning without referring to Proverbs. Wise or fool? See, um, the book, um, book of um, Proverbs probably has more references to wisdom and foolishness than any other book in the Bible. And um, so reading reading um, that parable at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in terms of what Jesus was saying, for me, I, it just immediately sprung in my heart and saying, right, okay, what does it say in Proverbs? If we look at, in Proverbs, just quickly, where's there? Proverbs chapter 1.
And um, verse 2, it says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, it says, I think it's in um, um, uh, Psalm somewhere, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. See, we, we have a, a, I looked up this morning, a dictionary translation of, the, of a fool in just the Oxford English Dictionary. It says, one deficient in judgment or sense, one who acts or behaves stupidly, a silly person, a simpleton. But what does the Bible say? It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's how, that's how the Bible describes a fool. That's how the Bible describes one um, that, that, that doesn't understand who God is. Are you wise or are you a fool? See, a fool is simply one who chooses not to place his confidence in God. A fool is not an idiot or a morally bankrupt person. A fool is a man who lacks confidence in the Lord. A fool is a, is a man who makes choices independently from God. A fool makes himself the authority of his own choices. If we... Uh, if you look to the wise, and you can read this, I would recommend this um, as regular reading. Proverbs has 31 chapters in it. That's a chapter a day for most um, months of the year. Um, but you get to chapter 22, and from verse 17 and right through to the end of um, chapter 24, it's, it, it says, words of the wise, and it's well worth reading through all of, um, all of that, and just letting that sink within you. And just seeing what God says that wisdom is. There's one of my favorites, which is at the end of um, uh, chapter 22, which is, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. I love that. I love that saying. That, that one that really, um, really resonates with me in terms of that. And then um, 23.12, Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. See, God is good. He wants us to be wise. He wants us to choose wisely. He doesn't want us to, to, to be foolish in the things that we do. He wants, he wants us to be a, a people that honor him in everything. Let's finish with that. Um, so back in the end of chapter 7 of, um, of Matthew, So you can, I would challenge you to read the whole Sermon on the Mount. I've, I've been reading it, um, for the last couple of weeks, just, just reading, reading it and reading it, letting it soak in, and just think, these are God's words. These are Jesus' words. The words that He spoke. Words of truth. Words of meaning. Words of relevance today. And right at the end of that whole section, those, those, uh, end of those three chapters, um, Jesus spoke that parable 
about the wise and the foolish. He spoke it in a way that he, he, the word that he used at the beginning there was, um, as I said, Shema, which means, which means to, to hear, to listen, and to obey. It doesn't just mean to hear the words. If you just hear the words and don't do anything about it, it's in, in Hebrew, it's as if you never heard them at all. It's an active language. It's about, it's about doing something every day. It's about um, hearing what God has said, um, reading his word, hearing what he said, and then acting upon it. If we just read it, and if we never do anything with it, it's no good to us, and it's no good to anybody else. See, the two houses, if you were the foolish man or the wise man, I'm sure the two houses looked exactly the same. I'm sure that they had exactly the same look and feel about them. Yet one was founded on the rock. And we know again what an analogy of that is in terms of that Jesus was the rock. Jesus is the rock. Let's build our lives in terms of what he wants to um, um, do with us that may not necessarily be what our lives, what we think we should be doing. Let's build our foundations on him. Let's build strong on him. And when we hear the word, when we hear what he says um, um, to do, that we do it and we're like the, the wise man, not the foolish man. If we go, go back just very, very quickly, um, verse 21 of, of chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who shouts, Lord, Lord. I'm sure there'll be people at the end of time where, where, where they'll have built a house, but at the end of time they'll realize that it was on no foundation and great will be the fall. Let's be a people that, that let's encourage one another that if we hear what God says, that we act upon it, that we're a people of action, the people of doing. See, 2,000 years ago when they heard that word, they would have heard and known that everything that Jesus had said in the, the, the previous hour's discourse would have, would have been something that they were required to fulfill as well as to hear. That's my challenge to you this morning. Shall we just pray? Jesus, we want to be a people that are wise. Lord, we want to build our foundations on the rock. We want to, to, to build success, Lord, success not in this king, not in this world's view, but success in the kingdom's view. Lord, we want to build that, that, that we're building for eternity, not, not in this world and not in this life. You, Lord, elsewhere it says it will, it will rust, it will, it will go, away, Lord, it will fade away, things of this world will fade away and rust and be destroyed, but the things that we lay up in heaven will be there forever. Lord, let us build as, the, as though we're building for eternity, and let us know, Lord, that you are um, the rock on which we build. Father, we love you, so, so thankful for all that you're doing in our lives thankful that we can hear your word but we hear it and not only do we hear it but we do it as well god you're good amen